and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast that celebrates the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way helps you decide uh, how you want to tell your damn story. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the business side. And who is it that is doing this yapping? Well, for me, I'm Chris Ryan. I'm a former journalist, a longtime teacher, and an independent author, uh, kind of on a journey to um, hyphenate, to be traditionally uh, published as well as uh, independent. And with me, of course, is the legendary comic book scribing, iconic teenage detectives writing, great underused character developing, and globe-trotting creator of the world-renowned Blackjack, the African-American soldier of fortune set in the 1930s whose adventures reflect today's problems. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about the one, the only, Alex Simmons. Tender, I can be a contender. You're okay. Oh, hey, 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 Chris. What's up? How are you, Alex? How's I'm all right, buddy, and, and, and really pumped after that opening. Well, there you go. You deserve right. to be. My people, I come <laughs> you, you, you today, today, today. It's Alex Simmons. Yes. Can you dig it? Yes, right. right. <laughs> but I'm talking about yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, uh, Chris, your 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 sterling introduction, uh, complimentary as well as accurate for both of us, uh, was right on point because today we are talking business because some of the questions that I've received for us to deal with. Um, they, they, they come from either people who want to be writers, you know, that's, that's their career goal or their, their wish, their dream, whatever, whether they're very young or they're, you know, in their mid anywhere. And then they also come from people who are in, in sort of similar places, uh, uh, maybe not as, uh, seasoned as you, where they, they've written some things, they've maybe had something published, but they're still confused. Where do I go? Which... Which trail do I go on? What do I listen to? Who do I listen to? All those things. So um, some questions that came in, like I said, really focused me today towards asking you about this journey that you've, you've, you've mentioned several times now. Sure. You've gone from, uh, I think, you know, uh, prolific, a prolific independent writer, uh, and you've been published in, in a number of different things, and yet you are now striving towards a more traditional publishing uh, experience. Uh, I think you put it to get more more credits in that particular realm. So it's not like you don't see yourself as a writer and, and, well, and a good writer, but right. you want a different level in your career. Is, am, am I incorrect or am I correct or am I well, in the neighborhood? You're correct, but I'll, I'll give you the full picture. Don't always okay. get the full right. picture. So yeah. it's uh, panoramic uh, here. Well, again, as you learn, uh, you... Um, re-edit, right? And you rewrite. And that's part of this. Um, I started out as an award-winning journalist, uh, small paper, you know, small papers wasn't like the, uh, you know, uh, Chicago Tribune or the Daily News or anything like that. It was small weeklies and stuff, a couple in the Bronx, then one in Manhattan, uh, and, and had success there. Uh, why I became a teacher is a, a, another story worth another time, but I continued to write uh, as a newspaper reporter, but also creatively, uh, a couple of uh, screenplays, and then I worked with a, a comedy troupe, and I, I think I wrote 30, 33 scripts for them uh, that were 
all hit stages uh, along the eastern seaboard, uh, mostly northeast. Um, uh, the Comedy Cellar and uh, Caroline's, um, as well as college tours and uh, the, my, my these are performance like spaces and venues. You all performance spaces, yeah, <clears throat> well-known performance spaces. Um, and then I did a sitcom for them that we performed in a CBS studio. Um, so uh, yeah, I've had all that experience, and then I started focusing on purely fiction in my work and. Uh, some screenplays where I co-wrote or wrote uh, stuff for independent films, uh, one of which won some awards, that I was, well, I was a producer on that one. I didn't write anything on that one. Um, so it's always been writing. And then um, as the independent publisher wave began, you know, uh, we were cheerleading each other, you know, pushing right. uh, to go out public with um, or independent with Blackjack, you go do your stuff, Chris, and then that led to the uh, police series, um, and then uh, again over eight years I've been independently publishing um, four novels, a short story collection, and four titles, five titles under Blackjack, something like that. Oh. So yeah, I, uh, we have done a lot. Um, but what I've noticed at conferences, you know, uh, writing conferences and stuff like that is um, it's starting to change. Independent, independently published is starting to change, but you still get the look, you know, um, if you haven't been traditionally published. You, of course, Alex, have been traditionally published by legendary companies, you know, and, and that helps, um, but also then you're Alex Simmons, you know. <laughs> Since yep. that job is taken and I can't be Alex Simmons, I've got to do whatever I can. Um, so, so I was talking to Joe R. Lansdale, which is, God bless him that he was so nice to talk. Who's that guy? He just won. He'll talk to anybody. God bless him. But, you know, I was talking about this, this situation. He says, you know, what really helps, the reason why getting published traditionally helps is because it vets you. You want to be vetted by somebody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that I embarked on you know, becoming this hyphenate, you know, so I don't plan to give up independently publishing, but in this phase, you know, as I'm wrapping up other parts of my career and folk becoming, you know, only writer, um, being traditionally published will, um, will uh, achieve that next goal. And then I can do it both and whatever, but you have it on the resume. And this year I have gotten, I've gotten a couple of uh, wins and a couple of very interesting. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you yeah, mentioned, yeah, yeah. Mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think um, we have two stories, two stories in that area. To share, that yeah. Entertain and educate and delight. Yeah, educate. <laughs> um, let me let me just backtrack uh, two for two reasons. One, for those who may not know, may not know who is Joe or Lansdale. Well, Joe R. Lansdale is a legendary uh, writer of Southern uh, crime with Happen Leonard. If you've ever seen Happen Leonard on TNT, that's him. That's TNT um, series, yeah, on TNT. Yeah, right. TNT, excuse my face. Um, and um, just progressively wild <laughs> sci-fi and horror 
including Bubba Hotep. Oh yeah, I remember just that. Just to give you just give you an example, he casts um, Elvis and JFK in a senior home. We don't know if it's the real Elvis, and the guy who's who's identifying as JFK is a, a black gentleman, and they are going up an ancient mummy in Southern Confederate gear who is sucking on the other residents of the senior home to sustain his life. Sucking on mummy. their souls, right? Yeah, sucking on yeah, their souls. Let's be very away. specific here. Sucking <laughs> on their souls, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I had a G-rated um, soul and heart, so I didn't think that way. Luckily... Alex Simmons well, is what we would call you know, a man of the world. Yeah, you know, we're wordsmith. <laughs> we're supposed to be more specific here. I just yes, wanted to yes, yes, catch any true. images but, out there. I mean, he's known for all of that stuff, and he is he is prolific in a way that I am prolific. He has done um, – I have this list of underappreciated great American novels. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, mm. one. True Grit is another and his um the bottoms and um uh, edge of dark water are both and all three of them have young female protagonists and deal with a um an imperfect america right an imperfect world and they are fantastic, fantastic. And that's how much I respect him that I put him with those other two legendary books. So that's who Joe R. Lansdale is. Okay. So at what point... Hashtag Joe R. Lansdale. Yeah. Hey, baby, what's up? At what point did you... I mean, you said you went to conferences, writing conferences and things like that. At what point did you say to yourself, damn, I really, I really do have to pursue this. And did you feel differently about yourself as a writer, or did you take it in stride? <clears throat> well, um, I am very much a learning human being. So early on in my writing conference uh, experience, uh, the message was, don't dare go independent. Mm. You go independent. You'll catch leprosy. That was really the kind of message, right? And then there was a flip in in 12 months. There was a flip. It turned out that the people who were saying that independent publishing caused leprosy, I'm kidding there. They didn't right, 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 right. <laughs> um, were the representatives of the, 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 the mainstream the remaining the remaining big sisters who were desperately trying to halt what they saw was coming. 12 months later the conferences were like, this is the thing. And I got told face to face to become a published author and a, of, of respect, you need a body of work and independently publishing will get you there. Um, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. And I, I went to work, you know, and in five years, I, wrote, edited, rewrote, 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 rewrote four novels and a collection of short stories <clears throat> and put them out. And, and we were working together on 
listen, let's do prose, you know, rapid read series prose for blackjack. That's kind of where I was mm-hmm. when I went to the Yale summer session. This is Yale University. I was accepted into that. And um, a best-selling author now was just breaking then. And she was my teacher mentor. And she sat down and heard my story and said to me, this is a direct quote. That's why I'm not uh, naming her name, just in case she doesn't want to hear this being quoted. She said, I'm sorry that happened to you. Oh, you, you, you know, God bless them that they're in the independent market. But you can't ever do anything with your four novels or your short stories you know she went it was a, a return to the leprosy you know i was uh, th- thrown back in the leprosy co- uh, colony you actually had walked into the town of leprosy yeah, yeah. Leprosy but now, and- uh, all, all four of these have gotten good responses not not overwhelming sales right um because uh, i have a day job i have a family and i'm learning the marketing mm-hmm. area but i mostly write if i'm given a choice between, you know, writing or marketing, I tend to go to the news story. I can't, right? So this is a shortcoming that I had to learn. And I was just rocked by that. So um, I, I decided to, you know, well, what can I do to start transitioning? What can I do? You know, and I said to myself, if it's going to take starting over, then hell with it. I'll start over. I believe in my writing ability. And... Um, I joined as like an associate outside, not really one of us published uh, Mystery Writers of America. And they have kind of in, embraced the um, uh, that level of membership much more than the first impression I got. Mm-hmm. Um, and started slowly making my move towards immersing myself in the writing industry. I changed my Twitter, got rid of everyone who was not an author or publisher or writing about the writer's community. And, you know, it became a much, Twitter became a much more positive experience for me. And I learned a lot that way. And um, then I took the um, mentoring program or applied for the mentoring program with Mystery Writers of America. Mm-hmm. We're getting to the end of this. Don't worry about it. And, uh, <laughs> the published author who read mine was very complimentary. And uh, I knew from MWA that some of them will take on editing gigs. So I asked him, he said, I, I can't. I'm, I'm full up with my own writing, but I can give you a name. And he says, mention that I sent you. And, you know, she's fantastic. So I did everything that he said. And she could not understand what I wanted. She was like, wait, you have this book? It was my first novel, City of Wolf. You have it out now? Why do you want me to edit it? And I explained to her that one of the things that I learned that I hadn't done was I hadn't put my work before a serious professional editor. What had you done? Just so that... I had had a... um, a gauntlet of uh, um, readers that got progressively more vicious. It started with the goddess because she would love and then tell me what was good about everything, which gave me the courage to go on. 
Then it went to uh, a librarian friend, very trusted librarian friend who was fantastic at catching typos and things that didn't make sense. And then I would do that rewrite. So whatever the goddess said, I would rewrite. Then I would give it to Cindy and she would catch all the things that I missed. I would rewrite all that and fix it. And then I would go, there was a, um, there's one or two other people, depending on which book that was, uh, it was an editor, uh, professional editor, professional person in uh, publishing that I guess he, he was an editor, layout person who goes back and forth. And for the police procedurals, I had a retired sergeant of detectives who would gleefully crucify me for the least <laughs> little police procedural mistake, which was, you know, really improved the book. But it never went to an official professional edit. And that's what I explained it. And, and, and uh -huh. well, because if it's out, why do you? I said, because I want it to be that good, that a professional editor says it's ready for market, not me. And uh, she says, what are you looking, me to, looking for me to do? I said, read it and rip into whatever needs, whatever you see, it doesn't flat, doesn't, would prevent it from being published. I'm not asking you to publish it. I'm asking you to, you know, in your experience, it turned out, doing a little re uh, research, she had spent her career at the big, you know, the, the big titles as a top editor by, by the end of her career. And she's serious business. So why did oh, how'd I get this lucky? So she, she seemed to take me on as a pet product. She was project. She kind of was seemed amused by me. Um, and then she started reading material. Yeah. And then it became a very professional um, relationship of, uh, this, why this, why that, look at what you're doing. And she pointed out such great tendencies. You know, uh, you use this word a lot. You know, uh, one of the things that turned out to be a running joke between her and I is that, you know, this is a New York novel. Everybody smirks at everybody. Right. But you and I, as New Yorkers, we understand that you see that all the time. But in print, it seems like I don't know any other facial expression, right? So, you know, it, it brings you, oh, okay, I see, okay. So um, uh, things were as, as little as that or as this doesn't work or there was, you know, uh, the first chapter establishes a relationship between the antagonist and his wife. And she fell in love with that. And, and uh, she's not the first one to have begged for more of that. Well... In thinking of that, then the book grew while being shrunk because I just I was a sam a samurai uh, 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 warrior warrior in cutting uh, down scenes, cutting uh, um, flabby writing. Yeah. But at the same time, I cut so much room that I had time to establish an entire second subplot. That now the protagonist and protagonist dual protagonist and antagonist are almost co leads And that's through this edit editing process. So you learn so much, you know? Right. And um, then I, I took some of the characters and I wrote a story for the Buchacon anthology, which is coming out next month. And uh, Art Taylor, another legend, was um, the editor. He surprised, you know, I knew him from some stuff, but he didn't know I had written it. 
and he accepted the the story and then I was surprised it was me and then we began to work and one of his things that he taught me was he, as an editor he edited the, he the, edited yes. you're right so okay. second I've had two very strong experiences with an editor or with editors uh, this year and he you know rather than so-and-so advised or so-and-so retorted we know they're speaking have them do something that amplifies you know an action that amplifies the statement and that was that brought the writing to another level and I've applied that to everything uh, I can and it allows you know I like what was what was fast-paced uh, uh, stories with humor and heart that's what I like to try and do and it makes it more efficient. So I've become, in this last year, more efficient by working with professional editors. And that is one of the things I wanted to do in making this journey, this crossover. The other one was to find my work published, you know, a little boutique publisher that uh, publishes Blackjack. They've published my stuff. Yes, yes, Alex Simmons have. is the publisher of that. Yes, but I also perfect. wanted people yeah. who didn't know me and weren't godparent to my children to publish me. And <laughs> <laughs> remember, I started out a published author from, for one, two, three, four. Yeah, four different newspapers. And, you know, and I've been published in Wizard Magazine and I've been published in other magazines. So, yeah, I have those credits. But again, you know, they're, they're in wheelchairs now in, you know, in a group home, you know, an old age home. You know, talking. I remember when he published me. You know, I yeah. so it's <laughs> yeah updating. So I do have a, a a strong, independently published resume. Uh, that's partly thank you to you, where we both said we got we gotta get more content, more product for Blackjack and Brown. And I just, I think I just wore you down. <laughs> How about this idea? How about that idea? How about this idea? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my remark here short, but I think it's poignant. Um, a, you were you were there when I was creating this, and you were you were uh, an able-bodied supporter and assistant and and fan and uh, partner in crime when producing Blackjack and Race Against Time and all that. So I, I think you earned your stripes. In that respect, you know, definitely guerrilla warfare, and you were right there in the trenches. Uh, you and Liz and 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 Bill and uh, um, uh, Mr. Brown. Um, but I think James you, Brown. Yes, yes. James oh. Brown. <laughs> anyway, um, but the other end of it too is um, quite as it's kept. I I had I'm not going to go into detail. I had a, a health issue uh, about three four years ago, three years ago, that was you know quite quite intense and uh, scary and it took several months for me to get through it even though I didn't talk about it on a public level and one of the things that helped keep me from going into a shadowy place um, a lot of the times was you know Chris with with the the penance and 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 the the flag waving and and the, and the little uh, pom-poms you know and the, and, the, and the cheerleader skirt out there going we can do this we can do this we can do this it's and just we, that I look really good in that. Yeah, really, got really hairy legs and strange. <laughs> um, you watch the hair move too; it's really weird. But what hair? You what? were there. <laughs> it's not on your head, but it's on your legs. Um, 
that is much longer. <laughs> you were there. You were there uh, with a, with you know supporting me with a blackjack project. <clears throat> you know, and this is the way we can work it together and just keep you focused on creativity and positivity and all that. And and you know, we rode that trail and we got out of that desert. And so, uh, yeah, I'm your son's one of your son's godfather and and all that good stuff. And we're friends. And the goddess, his wife. Uh, is a sweetheart, you know, one of one of the big hearts in the world that we, you know, we need more of. But he made a you've, all, you've always that. been, you know, you've been uh, the kind of uh, faithful friend and talented faithful friend. Because even though we're friends, if you didn't have the talent, we wouldn't have done what we've done. So that's that's, that's reality. So anyway, so I I tell that story to say this that the um, the emotional side of our pursuit of our independent careers as well as our journey together is a factor, but it is not the, the bottom line reason why we work together. We work together because we have a mutual respect for each other's capabilities. And we, we, we had some hard times, folks. Don't think that Chris and I haven't had some arguments and everything, but we also respected each other enough to work through those things. And that takes us back to professionalism. You got critiques from people, uh, and that helped you refocus and fine tune your work. Did you get rejections while you were well, in the It's funny that you would say that because I got a fantastic one this morning. Um, so um, one of the things that uh, on this journey uh, to be traditionally published is, um, you know, you look what's what the oil calls are out for, and uh, for some reason there was a lot of calls this summer for anthologies of uh -huh. crime fiction based on uh, the music of one group or another, that kind of stuff. And I think I did three of those. Um, I'm waiting to hear back from the other two, but I got a, a response today from um, one of the ones that I had a great experience with, you know, a great editor and uh, um, fun. Um, interesting response because um, when I, when my inquiry was um, and that was required. It's not always, but that was required. I had sent uh, like three or four pitches, and one in particular was uh, uh, accepted and uh, loved the idea and all that stuff. And then um, I was encouraged to uh, evoke the 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 music of the band in the writing. Let me stop you just for a second because I want to fill in a little blank that might be there for some people. Inquiry, pitch, just just okay. So, um, so if they have an oil call, right? They'll they'll say, all right. So, especially if it's one of these anthologies based on the music of, right? Then you go through the music of. Usually, they have a list of, you know, songs that have been already claimed, so you can't pitch stories for that, right? So. Um, I picked three songs that had not been uh, claimed so far. And this and, is by a certain band? Well, a particular band, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm avoiding the details. Yeah, I didn't want to embarrass the guy because I had a great I just want to be clear on. So um, a progressive rock band, very well respected and all that sort of stuff. And um, this was going to be a charity uh, to support um, uh, research into an illness and that kind of thing. And I... Yes, yes, I want to do that. I want to do that. So the inquiry is the letter uh, looking to get accepted into the project or, or whatever. Now, the pitch 
uh, in general, the pitches, here's the idea, right? There's the elevator pitch. Um, someone was asking me, uh, you don't know, you don't know your, your, you don't know your cop story. You don't know your cop story. You can't pitch it in 25 words. I pitched it in four, five, <laughs> five. I don't know. I think it was four. Law and order, supernatural unit, five words. You know, if you took a police procedural and supernatural, that's kind of where we go. And he went, oh. so the pitch here was uh, each. I wanted to pitch the three songs. Here's the stories I have of these three songs. Pick which one you like, you know, um, for me, I tend to do that because uh, I do get a lot of ideas, and that gives them a choice. I think I pitched five for another group, and uh, he was like, wow, the badass ideas, but I love this one. Okay, let me write that one. So when I got uh, accepted for this one, um, the letter encouraged very, very clearly to evoke the sound of the band and um, work their themes into your themes. and. So I did, and this is a progressive rock band, you know, mm -hmm. so with lofty thoughts. And I found that as I wrote this and um, uh, plot-wise, it was three or four individuals who find themselves, whether they want to be or not, caught up in the uh, violence around um, uh, the various deaths of black people and protests for that. Because, you know, why peg it to one black person's death? Because, you know, they're happening like clockwork. Um, so I wanted to have, without naming that particular victim or that that situation, mm -hmm. and I showed it, for, you know, uh, um, I showed it was about the two sides. So I showed it from the police side and from the, um, uh, the protester side. And this... The, the story was about how nobody wins. The crime is hate ruins it for everybody. That was the crime. So I wrote it. I reflected the progressive band's progressive sound. I wound up being able to work in 50%, maybe 70% of the lyrics in, organically into the, the story. And I said, okay, I fulfilled everything that this guy requested, and off it went. And I got a response today. I was long-winded. Uh, uh, yeah, no. that up. I apologize. No. So I got a response today that said, uh, thank you, but um, we can't use the story. Uh, the rest of the stories have a very noir feel, and... Uh, they're about murder and mafia and bank robberies, while yours is, you know, it, it might have a better home in a literary magazine. Well, to myself, I'm saying, I followed his, you know, his directions. But the lesson here, and if that's what we're trying to offer today, the lesson here is that you cannot argue with a, a, a rejection, you know. Um, you cannot say, well, you said to reflect the sound of the band. Uh, you can't because it makes you look unprofessional. Um, but I did send a response, and I sent a thank you for the opportunity. And uh, it went something like this. I'm sorry to hear that um, uh, the story uh, doesn't fit uh, with uh, the rest of the book. Um, 
I really wanted to support you and um, efforts to raise money for uh, research into this disease. Um, it's too bad that there's no time for a resubmission as I am uh, very good at taking editorial direction and a, a, a quick at a rewrite. Um, but perhaps we can work down the line somewhere together because you have been excellent all around. Best success with the book and, uh, and your health. And cheers. And off, off I went. And if you respond at all, and I'm not really encouraging that people respond all the time, but if it has to be positive, you can't argue, you can't berate, you can't tell them you don't know anything. What does that get you? What I mean, you know that there's people out there like, ah, hell with you and your brother, you know, and, <laughs> and, they, and they know it's anyway, right. you know, so um I wanted to leave it on a good note, and I did have a good experience with him, and I think he deserved that. And um, God bless him. I, you know, he was championing this book to try and raise money for, you know, a disease that he's fighting, and and I, I really connected with that and wanted to support the guy. But you know, you you gotta they but, choose but, what they want to choose, and you have to respect of, that. Yeah, for the sake of trying to get a couple more things into this episode before we run out of time, let, let me just quickly ask you, because that is a very powerful statement that you just made, why, other than being an, an absolute jerk and, and saying things about their family and all that, why do you feel you cannot argue or try to say, well, wait a minute, the, the, you know, the, the, the spec said this, and I met that, so I'm a little confused well, to why. Blah, blah, let's blah. go. Let's go with this response. You have to. You have to take the response for what it is, right? Mm -hmm. The the reason why I decided I couldn't argue it is because right there in the letter he said the rest of the stories have a noir tone. Mm -hmm. There is no way he's going to reject the rest of them or have them all rewritten to sound more like what his original directions are, right? So to me, I was like, all right, this guy went with a noir tone. It doesn't match the sound of the band, doesn't sound match the direction that was given, but that is clearly what he's doing. The only thing I uh, uh, I didn't argue, it was like a it was uh, passive uh, suggestive, not passive aggressive, passive suggestive. That uh, you know, too bad there's no time for a resubmit because I'm good at taking an editorial direction and. I'm a quick rewrite. Yeah. You know, like, right, right. If you, because he was very complimentary. He said that the themes were fantastic and very current and very uh, relevant to, to what we need to have out there, but, you know, maybe a literary magazine. Yeah, I, can, I could definitely give more of a noir tone. I have for both Blackjack and my own people and all that sort of stuff and uh, my own characters. But yeah. to leave him on a, you know, to let him know that I had a, a positive experience and that I wish him well. Um, and then suggest that if, I don't know what his, I really don't know what his, uh, timeline is, you know, if he were to turn around and say, wow, he's willing to rewrite and he got back in touch with me, then, then it continues. But, um, so it's leaving the agreement door. in any way would not have opened the, that possible door. In this door. case, served that or left that door open for other possibilities for real. Yeah. I, so I guess what I'm hearing here, and I and and to a large degree I do agree, it is not about a battle to kick the door in per se. It is about utilizing what we would consider professional uh, manners in laying down the possibility of working together. Even you know, even if it's not this project, definitely down the line. 
because I'm a professional, you're a professional. Right. You know, we can communicate. Okay, that's good. Now, you did tell me, because sometimes this will happen, uh, here we are pursuing our, our careers and we, we want to write stories, we want to do this, and, and you say, you know, sometimes you see a, a call for something and, and you send in your inquiry and, and you, you, you do your pitch and you want to, oh, good, this is going to possibly work out well, and it turns into something that you didn't expect it to be. Yeah, this was, I, 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 think, think, you had I that think this is really too. funny. I think this is really funny, and I don't, I don't, knock anybody for what they do you do what you do and if you can make a living at it god bless you mm -hmm. all right all right you know within uh the bounds of law okay <laughs> yeah, keep all it. right that keep way it. no one says oh my god you just told my son to be a meth head no i didn't no i didn't <laughs> all right so there's a call for it was a, hilarious it was when we put out a call for uh our stories and that we would work from here uh it was a call well, one of the responses we got was there was a call for um, a story that was about um, romance in the time of COVID. And uh, so I did. And, you know, uh, I'm of a certain age, and so is my wife. I said, what if we went a little, if we aged the characters? And what is that like when life is taking things away from them and they are in and they are needs aren't aligning and one isn't even aware quite of what's happening to him while he, you know, so, so I wrote this piece about that and how love still conquers all, you know, and it was very romantic. I thought, you know, all that stuff. Um, and actually, luckily for me, the contract that came in was, struck me as bizarre. You know, I, I was, again, blessed to get two contracts in at the same time. One was for, from Butch Khan. It was two paragraphs long and very clear. And the other one was, you know, it was pages. And there was uh, yeah, retained rights for years, like seven years. And then six months, you get a little window to claim it back. And if not, they have it for another seven, something like that. I may be a little off. But it seems very, very uh, uh, complicated, and I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, so I did some background checking on them, which is one of the good lessons out of this. And that mm. is, if you're going to do work with someone, Google their company and find what other stuff they put out. You know, now, Buchakan, uh, I knew already, right? Um this one I didn't, and that's on me, 100% on me, because when I Googled the company, um, I found that they were primarily an erotica publish publisher. Ah. Um, a lot of um, knockoffs, like there was, you know, the movie Pretty Woman with uh, Julie Roberts, this was Pretty mm -hmm. Man, mm -hmm. you know, same exact book. The cover looked like the movie poster and stuff. And then they had a lot of zombie porn, which I don't even know how that works. Would I, it don't off? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Right? right? <laughs> but, but what I did know was, oh, oh, my mistake. I, this is not where I want to be. Now, not, I didn't want to knock them. I didn't, you know, I thought that would be rude. So I just said, uh, he had given, he, he, I had said the, the contract wasn't 
what I usually, that's not how I do business. And he said, you got to sign it or, or ask us to remove you from the anthology. And in that interim, I had done the company uh, research. So I was able to say, well, then just please remove me. And, uh, and that's what happened. So I still have that story to place somewhere else. Um, but that was really on me because if early on, well, I, I'm, I'm grateful I didn't know because I, I got a really what I think is an interesting story out of it. Um, both the one I wrote and the one I'm telling you right now. <laughs> uh, but it's on you. It's on you as an author to do your due diligence and shame on me. Um, hysterically, uh, I was almost uh, in a company and so, you know what? I hear that you can make money on zombie porn or zombie erotica. I hear that Bigfoot erotica is high payer. You know, uh, I myself, I can't. I, it does, you know, the stories don't come for me that way. Um, pardon the pun, that's terrible. <laughs> I didn't mean it that way at all. Um, that was terrible. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. You know, bottom line, to each their own, and God bless them and best of luck with them. But, you know, that's not a ride I, I, I think I can go on. Yeah, I, I, I have to say. Oh, that's a terrible pun, too. Oh! Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep moving here because you just please, keep putting your foot please. in it. Uh, I'm just gonna say that yeah, I had a moment like that in, in my early career, where um, you know talk about struggling artists. I was like major struggling. There was no money in the house, and and options were were very very bleak. And someone who you know was a friend and Gutenberg uh, came to your rescue. Yeah, right. Said, uh, look, I know it's a writing opportunity for you. And, uh, you know, I know the people and I can put in a word and you can make maybe two G's, you know, just for a few days worth of work. And I thought, OK, right. Cool. Yeah. What, what, what is it? You know, I'm thinking comic books or magazines or interviews and things like that. It was for porn films. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, especially at that point in my life, I was 20 something. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I have a pseudo liberal mindset about, you know, consenting adults and all that stuff. But. You know, no, I, I can't. I, you know, and, and again, didn't, didn't turn on my friend, didn't curse anybody out. I just couldn't. You know, I couldn't do it. To me, it, it didn't work in my head. I didn't, I couldn't a, see a that. I want to write that. You know, and so you there's know, there's a number of legendary authors who have. Yeah. It's a, but, but again, it's a personal choice. I, yeah, I, it's exactly I, that. It's exactly that. You, 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 you look at a thing, you look at an assignment, and you decide whether or not this is something you want to be a part of. That this, is this something you can do organically? Is this something you have to do? You know, because sometimes, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, I didn't have a family to support at that time. So it wasn't about, I got to make this money. I don't care what. Uh, it was, okay, so it's mayonnaise sandwiches for another few days. You know, and that's about it. You know, that's that's it. Um, but I'm I'm glad I made that choice. But yeah, you we that's that's a lot of what's come out of this session today, is choices, yeah. is choices that you make for where you want to go with your career. Who do you listen to? How do you get there? Are you willing to do the work, the extra work that's involved, and and making those decisions as you go step by step. And as, as you put it uh, a moment ago, you're of a certain age, uh, which is, is far farther away from the 20-something than, than, than some people might suspect, because we are so playful. I'm even further away than he is. 
as he is so fond of pointing out in numerous episodes. But uh, I think that on. what we've yes, learned... You used to hang out with Nostradamus. Doesn't mean yeah. so. <laughs> She gave me Walter. No, that's, a, that's, that's okay. Nostradamus. Anyway, um, what we're talking about is, is really, no matter where you are in your journey, you have decisions to make. There and are... you have to be willing to roll if you wind up innocently making the wrong decision. You know, some of the decisions I made uh, were ill-informed or ill-thought. I hadn't, I didn't have the full education needed. You know, would I still have done it? Well, I, I, the urge to write and to move forward and get material out there was extremely strong in me. Um, would I have spent, you know, ten years sending stuff? I, I wish I knew now what I knew then. So hopefully this is going to hit some ears that need to hear it and not make the same, you know. Well, I, you know, I, I I'm think glad where I am. There's a, there's a mindset about being, about opportunities coming when you're really ready for them right. um, and, and about, you know, learning experiences make you who you are. And, you know, if I hadn't grown up the way I did, I wouldn't be the person that I am. And do I regret not being more financially successful? Yes, I do. But that's that's what it is. Do I regret actually who I am? No. Yeah. Do I regret the people that I know and love? No. Do I regret some of the things that I've written or some of the places that I've gone and met people and worked with? No, I don't regret any of that. So the vast majority of my experiences, even those tough ones, led to where I am now, and I really don't regret a good 95% of my life. Right. So I think... I think that's, that, that's pretty rich right there. Yeah, believe me. And, and I, I just wrote something uh, the other day about my mom, uh, just a short piece, but you know, just really acknowledging what this lady, a very simple background, you know, definitely not, no, no cash money, uh, health issues up the wazoo, you know, right till the day she died. Um, but all the things, the remarkable things that she was able to teach me and do for me, you know, in her best efforts. And I realized, you know, I was blessed. I could have had a different person in my life and I could have had a very different life and not a good one necessarily. So I think that we do learn as we go. And I do think that some things happen to us for a reason. <clears throat> and whether you would have written what you've done or done it the same way with more information, I don't know. We don't know. But I do know that the, the, the lesson, as you were, the phrase you were using a lot, is that in discovering or being clear, becoming clear where you are and becoming clear where you want to be down the line, there are choices to be made. There's information to be sought. There's questions to be asked. And that's your job. That's what you do in order to move forward. The information as, is out there. As opposed to freezing or curling up in a ball or beating yourself for not this and not that. You, you take that lesson, you apply it, the formula to it. Okay, this is where I am. That's where I want to be. What do I got to do? And, and you do that. And so I think that's what we've done. And actually that answered, you know, what you said, a lot of what you said here today answered some of the questions that I was going to bring up. So I don't have to bring them up. But one, one of the final questions was, uh, how do you decide who you're going to listen to, whose advice you're going to take or whose critique you're going to, you know, listen to. How do you decide this? So if you can do that in a short response, two, that would be things. Great. One, if you can get um, numerous sources 
that agree on a piece of information, then trust it, right? And then if someone's critiquing your work, accept all of it graciously, and then go back and digest and look at it. What, and this is, takes a lot of honesty. This is the toughest part. What among these critiques improves and serves the story? What makes it a better story? It is not a personal attack about you. It must always be about serving the story. And if you can do those two things, you know, outside information, multiple sources, direct um, assessment or uh, editorial comment, look at how it serves the story. If you can do those two things, uh, I, I think you're on a good road. I would agree with you, and I would I would say I work off of the, the rule of three, because uh, you were saying, you know, look at how many would agree on a particular piece of information. And I always say it's a minimum's got to be three. It can be more, but minimum three. Okay, so that's one. And then the other thing, too, is um, editors, good editors, people that I respect or I've heard about and I suspect that you've come across, they are not, their job is not to edit the work so it sounds like something they wrote. Right. Yeah. Right. Their job is to edit the work so it's your best work. Well, and, and it's in context, right? If they're just talking about the story, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I have one or two people who still talk to me about their favorite scene that I cut out to serve the story. And you, I always am very gracious and apologize to them and stuff. But that scene doesn't go back in because it's somebody's favorite. But I will make a presence that scene to you. Serves the story. Yeah. What? You've, you've sent them a copy of that scene that they can have for their very own. In, for you, in a frame. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. Well, Chris, um, it is that time because time is the thing that happens when we are having fun. Uh, but thank you. This is, this is really good. And, folks, I would hope um, those who had questions and those who were curious about this sort of thing, I would hope that this episode really helped you get a, a, a more clear picture of the process. There's more to it. And of course, we've dealt with some of that and we'll continue to in our episodes. But I think this is really concise. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Hopefully, but, if, if we didn't cover something and they, they write to us, we'll do that in another episode. Yeah, absolutely. Please let us know, let us know, let us know. Okay. And that, that's not snow now, that's let us know. Um, okay. So, Chris, as always, a real pleasure. Super, super, super fun to be with always you. Always a blessing to be with you, sir. Same, same. Same here. All right. So everybody, you know how to find us, you know, comments box, email address, do it, speak to us. And we'll be back here next week to speak to you. Cool. Let's take us home. All right, ladies and gentlemen, listen to what you listen to, serve the story and find how to tell your damn, damn story. story. <laughs> take care, brother. Peace, brother.